Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, great to have you in church this morning. And uh, what a... What an incredible thing it is to serve the Lord. If you're new to church, you're new to the things of God, can I just encourage you, we're, this is not about attending a church. This is about becoming the church. But also, too, I'm not a Christian because I had nothing to do. <laughs> like, I was a busy sinner. <laughs> Where's all the busy sinners? I can see you. I can see you. I, I was a busy sinner. But what happened was I made it a, God touched my heart when I heard the word of God and I made the discovery that my life was actually empty no matter what I was filling it with until I found Jesus and then until I walked into his purpose and plan. And so I want to encourage you, everybody, no matter what you're doing in your life, until you walk into God's purpose and plan, listen, honestly, you won't be alive because it doesn't matter where I've been and I've traveled all over the world, been to a lot of places, met a lot of people. There is no life until you actually walk in God's purpose and plan. So I want to encourage you, this is not about being religious. I am not into religious trips. I'm not trying to be a religious person. What happened was when I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, listen, the Holy Spirit empowered me. The Holy Spirit came into me. So you want to make sure you got the real deal. You want to make sure you got the real deal because a lot of people run around with a whole lot of religious stuff. But God wants us to be empowered. So you're empowered. And when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, wow, all of us who could never be a good person, don't raise your hand. I know you're here as well. We could never be good. God actually empowers you to then become a person who stops swearing. Amber, I have a friend here. But yeah, my mouth was at the end of my, you know, the end of my teen years was dreadful. Everything began to change, but I wasn't actually doing it. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to encourage you, everybody, get the real Christian life. It's where God's empowering you, empowering you to follow Him, empowering you, and giving you revelation about things you have no clue about. So I had no clue about my life, what I was meant to do for God, that God had a calling for me. I thought you did a job, tried to make money, make as much as you could. Had no clue that, all, and, all, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. That's all good. But behind that, that there's a great purpose for your life, and there's a God designed for your life. Everybody, there is a God designed for your life. And you want to be really happy and really fulfilled? Start to walk in that. And then your life, I don't know, you just, the years go by, but you feel younger. So don't look at the outward here. I'm still very young on the inside. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is refreshing you and empowering you. Everybody, make sure you're being refreshed and empowered and you got the real Christian life, because that's what God has called us to, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, as soon as we're doing baptism certificates, you know I'm going to go, just go there. But uh, I wanted to talk today on a subject that we don't talk about too much, but I thought I would uh, just cover it in light of what's happening in the world right now, and the challenges of the world uh, that are all around, but also the challenges that people have in our church and in our world and, uh, and how do you deal with some of the challenges that you 
maybe right now are confronted with or might be confronted with. So I've entitled my message, I thought, how am I going to, what will I call it, Lord? And I've entitled it, The God Who Suffered Is With You When You Do. The God Who Suffered Is With You When You Do. A lot of churches don't want to talk about this. They want to talk about everything's always, you know, come on and wow and amazing and incredible and unbelievable. And I'm like, yeah, but sometimes you've got to live real life. I watch some ministers sometimes who that's the only message. And I'm like, listen, you're not living where I live at or where I've lived at because life is challenging. And sometimes we're dealing with things that are painful and, uh, you know, and we can't just say, hey, it's amazing. God's going to do something. We need to have some scriptural, scriptural backup. And we need to know that in the midst of our difficulty, and right now, if you are suffering in the midst of your suffering, can I encourage you that you need to know God is with you because God lives where real people live. Anybody here perfect? Fly around the ceiling and we'll worship you. Anyway, none of us. Who's had a perfect life? I certainly haven't. And what I need to know when I wasn't a Christian, that God cared about my suffering. And I want to encourage everybody here, if you're suffering right now, God cares about you and your suffering. So title of the message, the God who suffered is with you when you do. You know, um, the Bible tells us in Psalm 34 verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed and sa- sorry, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Anybody felt crushed ever? Oh my gosh, I was totally crushed, uh, you know, as a young person, crushed in my spirit when I got near the Christian faith. And, uh, and the Bible says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Sometimes people don't let on their brokenhearted. They just medicate drugs, alcohol, sex. They're medicating brokenheartedness. And I get that. I totally get it. It came from that. But I want to encourage you, listen, everybody, the Lord is near to you if you're suffering. He's near to you. And the Bible tells us, you know, that when we're weak, God is strong. You know, and if you give God your weakness, God can actually work in your weakness to turn it around. If you're sick, the Bible tells us in Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord, your healer. Everybody, if you're not well, Keep lifting your faith up to the level of God's Word. Don't bring it down to the level of your experience. So we got to keep lifting our faith up to the level of God's Word. Don't bring it down to the level of your experience. But in the same time, when you're suffering, realize the Lord is near. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's near to you when you're in pain. He's near to you when you're suffering. And everybody who's tuning in, if you're tuning in from Zambia or Germany or Melbourne, so great to have you here. But if you're in challenge or around the world, if you're challenged right now, can I encourage you, the Lord is near you. And He is next to you and He will walk you through the season of pain or the season of difficulty. You know, when you're suffering, you can read everything in your life through that moment. We need to be careful if we are suffering, if we are going through pain, if we are going through difficulty, to try not to read everything that happens in our lives through that moment. It's like the glasses of pain and the glasses of suffering. And some of us who came from very difficult backgrounds, difficult childhoods, you know, there's a point we've got to say, Lord, help me to take off my glasses. They're certainly not rose-colored. They're pain-colored. 
And Lord, help me to see now through your word and see through what you say is possible and see through what you are saying for my future. Help me to not read everything that's happening now through my painful past or my pain now or my suffering now, but begin to see through your word and your Holy Spirit and uh, that you are with me and near me when I'm crushed, when I'm broken, when I'm suffering. And, uh, you know, God really teaches us, too, that we are to remember uh, His goodness. You know, when the children of Israel would go through problems, they'd start blaming God and, you know, attacking God. And God gets that. God knows when you're suffering and we start losing it, right? He gets it. He knows what humans are like. And so, and He loves us still. But He says, hey, remember. Hey, remember. God says, remember my goodness to you. Remember my miracle to you. Remember what I did there. Everybody, we need to remember. I can't remember where my car keys are, but I'm remembering things from the Word of God. Amen. (laughs) Actually, where are they? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) where's my car keys? Remember. (laughs) Forgot a few of the children's names from time to time. (laughs) Geordie says it's all good. Is that your name? No. (laughs) We need to remember everybody and say, help me remember where God's been good. Help me remember God's word. And also help me to remember too that, do you know that Jesus, God, is the only God of the small g God? Small g gods are not real gods, by the way. There's one God. Jesus is the only one who suffered. Jesus suffered for you. None of the others suffered. And by the way, he didn't have to. He didn't have to. If you're going through something, you've been through something, you know, Jesus suffered. His disciples left him. His people left him. His father left him in the garden of Gethsemane. His father left him. Everybody left him. Then he was, and he'd already been persecuted. Now he was absolutely beaten and torn apart. Then he was crucified. Jesus suffered. And then he says in 1 Peter 5, the God who suffered Cast all your care upon me. The Bible teaches us, cast all your care on Jesus because he cares for you. Cast all your care. Everybody, if you've got to cast all your care on Jesus today, cast it. Don't carry it. You no longer need to carry all your pain, carry all your problems, carry it all alone. I, I love, that's one of the greatest things to me is I don't carry things alone anymore. I say, Lord, this sickness is difficult, this challenge. Lord, I cast it on you. You know, right now, Sue's got to do that um, in the midst of this hearing thing that she woke up with, which has just brought, you know, just so many challenges to her with pain and headaches and all kinds of things. And then not being able to be in crowds and the chapel service, we're hoping that's going to work really well for Sue. But it's just been horrible because everybody who's been here with us for the journey of 22 years knows that Sue's been in everything. And then overnight, this just pulled her out. And she's had to be very careful about what she can choose to do. So she's had to cast all of her care on Jesus. And uh, that, sometimes that's hour by hour. Sometimes that's every 10 minutes. Lord, here, I'm casting that on you right now. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with it. She's had to cast it. And, uh, you know, and I've had to cast it as well, you know, in Jesus' name. And say, Lord, we just, Lord, right now we don't know what to do with this. So, Lord, we just give it to you and we cast it on you again, knowing God, knowing God. And by the way, declaring, declaring God, 
that you care for Sue more than I do or anybody else does. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. You know, the more religious a person is, when we have suffering or we get sick, the more religious we are, we go, what did I do wrong? <laughs> so if you're a religious person, the moment you have a problem or suffering or sickness, we go, show you, what did I do wrong? As if God's in some kind of deal with us. Um, you know, when Sue and I were in London and we uh, ended up having the privilege of caring for a, a man who I just met on the street in Belsize Park, the Jewish area of London when we lived there, Sue and I ended up adopting him into our family on Fridays and on the weekends and, and uh, not all the time, but quite a bit. And he'd survived Auschwitz. Like incredible, what a privilege that we got. This guy had survived Auschwitz and then God was using Sue and I and his Christian nurse and his Christian neighbor around him towards the end of his life to love on him. And, uh, and then his whole concept, his... his um, his wife ended up with uh, severe Alzheimer's. But his whole concept was, I did a deal with God in Auschwitz. And I went, huh? He's telling me. He said, I said to God, if you get me out of here alive, you can do anything to my life that you want to do. Just get me out of here alive. Anyway, and he said, so he came and he took his claim on my wife. I was like, Peter, that is not God. That is not God. God doesn't do that. Exodus says he's our healer, Old Testament, Torah, you know, you're Jewish. He doesn't do that. God doesn't do deals. Hey, you know, if, you're, if you've got that mindset, can I encourage you? That is not God. God hates it when we're suffering. I mean, when I was pouring out my heart to God, you know, probably in my 30s when I got a revelation of what actually happened in my childhood, and I poured it out to God. I think God protected me for about 10 years after I became a Christian to know what really went on. And then I got the revelation, and I can remember sitting in a park in London, and God said to me, Jared, I suffered when you suffered. I, can, I would never have even thought of God to say that to me. But God said to me in that park that day, I suffered when you suffered. Listen, everybody, God is not punishing you. God is not punishing you. If you have sickness or problems, you have not. God is not going, oh, you haven't been good enough, so now I'm going to punish you. And that is not God. <laughs> my mom, when she was in the nursing home, uh, probably six months before she passed away, she got really aggro with the staff. And my mom became a Christian in her 40s. And boy, she was, a, she, was, she was full on in her 30s. But by her 40s, she was a broken woman. She gave, became a Christian at the end of her 40s. And here she was in the nursing home. I come in and she says to me, she's a Christian now. I come in and my mom goes, oh, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Now, what's happened? She goes, the staff have been so bad here. So she says, I've been letting loose with a lot of four-letter words. And I was like, oh, she's back. <laughs> so, so anyway, so I said, Mom, what did you say to them? I'm now, that will not be said from the stage of church this morning. Okay, what did you say? And then she goes, this is my mum. Do you think I'm still going to heaven? Actually, and I thought to myself, some of those are pretty bad. I said to mum, probably not. <laughs> My mom goes, don't say that to me. I said, they were pretty bad, mum. They were ones I haven't heard until, you know, since you're in your 30s. So, and then my mum goes, don't say I said, mum, I'm joking. Mum, God doesn't say to you because you swore and lost it, you are no longer having salvation in his kingdom. <laughs> and then she says to me, gee, you're a naughty boy. You had me worried for a moment. 
<laughs> I've just been humorous, like, no, you're probably not going now. You've been, they're, they're bad words. But God doesn't do that. Everybody, God doesn't do it. You don't lose your salvation because you, you swore. He's not like, oh, wow, you're off the list now of invitation. But my mom was seeing it from a religious perspective. I said, mom, God loves you, and he knows you're in pain, and he knows you're suffering, and he knows you're challenged, and he understands that. He's not saying, right, you're out the kingdom now. But the enemy comes and says, oh, look at that. God's, God's not interested in you now. God's not happy with you. You're not going to heaven. Everybody, that is the enemy's voice, not God's. Romans 8.1 says, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Woo! who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. So the Bible says if you are now you know, walking after Jesus, it doesn't say perfectly. It says there's now no condemnation to those who are walking after Christ. Our goal is, and aim is not to walk in the flesh, but we're walking according to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, and you are perfect. It says, no, there's no condemnation. So if you have the voice of the devil saying, you're not good enough, that's why you're not healed, you're not this enough, you're not perfect, that is not God, everybody. Because God knows that particularly when we're suffering and sick, we get it wrong. And we make mistakes many times in those seasons. Um, yeah, God gets it. If you look at this, sometimes when I read the Psalms, who likes reading the Psalms? Four of you? No. <laughs> I like reading the signs, but when you read them, sometimes I'm like, well, you know, Lord, I know that you're true, and I know your word's true, because that's an overshare in the book of Psalms right there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? People in the Psalms, oh, Lord, yeah, and they're like losing their minds. Psalm 88, um, who's the sons of Korah in Psalm 88, he goes, darkness is my only friend. <laughs> I read that last week. I was like, you know, if you wanted to, if you, like if I was going to be God, I'm not putting all that in there. People pouring out, Lord, this, my only friend is darkness, not you. <laughs> so, so just encourage everybody. That gives me confidence. Yeah, the word of God's truth, because God's like, let all the washing hang out. Why? Let it all hang out. Why? Because God knows when you're suffering, we lose perspective. So God goes, put it in there. Let it be there. Let the word, re- let, let the word be true. And he understands us. He doesn't go, oh, you're finished, psalmist, saying darkness is my only friend. I think they wrote a song about that, didn't they? So, um, hello, darkness. Anyway, no, I'm going. Oh, I'm not singing that. <laughs> Rebuke that in Jesus' name. But God doesn't say, I'm going to destroy the sons of Korah after Psalm 88 saying darkness is my only friend. He doesn't say that. God's like, yeah, I know you're suffering. I'm near you. God understands when we lose it, when we're suffering. But life, everybody, life, pastors who preach all over the world, life has pain. Life has difficulty. American pastors, I love you. God knows we have problems. It's not all perfect. And then in the words of that incredible, insightful movie, The Princess Bride, (laughs) from the pages of wisdom, Wesley and Buttercup. (laughs) Wesley says in that movie, Life is pain, your highness, and anyone who says anything different is trying to sell you something. There's truth there, right? Life is challenging. And all the girls said, I love that movie. You know, I've got, 
I look at a couple of people who have gone on and incredibly served the Lord with huge challenges. And in choosing, I'm going to serve God in the midst of huge challenges, God has used them unbelievably. One is uh, Nick Voicechik. Have you guys seen Nick? Nick born with no limbs, uh, angry throughout his teenage years, suicidal, just totally wanted to end his life. Then opens his life up to God, and now God, he has a beautiful family. He's got a wife and I think three children, twins, yeah. And uh, he has spoken to millions of people now, millions of people. And he has a genuine, authentic humility to walk with the Lord. And uh, now God has used him incredibly to bring the gospel on nearly every nation in the world. He's spoken everywhere, and God has used him. Yet, what a challenging thing is that he's married, got a beautiful wife, and has no limbs. I'll just take a couple of his quotes. He said, attaining the perfect appearance. You can do the next photo, guys, as well. Next photo, never give up. Play soccer. Attaining the perfect appearance. Listen to this. This is what he said. Attaining the perfect appearance doesn't mean everything, anything if your soul is broken. So here he is with no limbs, and he says, for everybody who's trying to attain the perfect appearance, it means nothing. If your soul, what's your soul? In this, in this area, he's talking about your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions. It means nothing attaining the perfect appearance if your soul, soul is broken. I love what he said here. When faced with great difficulties, this is what Nick said, search for the joy. When faced with great difficulties, search for the joy. James 1 says, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you're in trials, when you're facing trials. Count it all joy. Incredible. And it actually says, let patience have its perfect work. <laughs> so Nick is saying, in the middle of having no limbs, look for the joy. In the middle of having what many would think you have no hope for the future. Someone's going to put you in a back room in a chair. He said, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my tomorrow. I give you my body. And God says, great, I'll send you around the world and you'll be a mouthpiece for me. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Yeah, give the Lord a hand. So, and the next one too is uh, Journey Erickson. Incredible, Journey Erickson. Let's have a good journey. Jenny Erickson Tata, she was just, I think, about 18 years old. She was a Christian young girl into all sports, horse riding, everything. And then she dived into water, misjudged it, and she broke her neck and paralyzed herself from her shoulders down. So from her shoulders down. And uh, Jenny went on. She was a Christian girl, had to go through, how did this happen to me as a Christian? Dived into the pool, got it wrong, misjudged it, paralyzed from the shoulders down. She went on and became an artist who uh, painted with her mouth. So she, was, she became one of the busiest uh, speakers in America. Painting, went home, and then speaking. Painting, speaking, painting, speaking. And she's also spoken to millions and millions of people and has led, uh, I'd say, a million people to the Lord in the midst of challenges midst of difficulty. It's not working. I'm suffering. It's all, gone, it's all gone wrong, God. It's all gone wrong. And she's, a couple of her quotes I got, listen to these. I want to stay in the habit of glancing at problems and gazing at my Lord. 
I want to stay in the habit of glancing, like glance is like a small look at problems and gazing at my Lord. When we hurt, she said, God doesn't give us lots of words. He gives us his word, the Bible. When we hurt, God doesn't give us lots of words. He gives us his words. Wow, this one. The weaker we feel, the harder we should lean on God. And the harder we lean on God, the stronger we grow. Oh, gee, that, I, who needs that one more time? The weaker we feel, the harder we lean on God, and the harder we lean on God, the stronger we go, grow. Oh, my goodness. Everybody in the middle of it, there's a God there who will help us also to lean into him and to lean on him. And, uh, and here's what these people have discovered. Nick and Johnny have both discovered that people who go to God in desperate times, it shapes you. People who go to God, hello, not to everybody else, you know, Job's counselors, oh my gosh, it's terrible, life's never going to go, you're never going to get well, you're never going to get a job, you're never going to be anybody, you know, blah, 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 blah. You always got people who are going to tell you all that stuff, but people who go to God in desperate times, both of them, it shapes you, changes you from the inside out, God speaks to you, God is at work in your heart and life, and then God blesses you and uses you. Oh my gosh, how incredible. It's the people who say, God, I'm still going to pray no matter when I haven't got the answer. It's the people who say, God, I'm still going to give my tithes and offerings when I haven't got an answer. It's the people who say, God, I am still, I am in church. No matter what's happening in my life, what's going on, I've got challenges, I've got pain, I'm suffering, but God, your house is first. These are the people letting, letting it shape you. And then God brings you, hello, through those situations. And from somebody who was not a faithful person, you become a faithful person. Somebody who wasn't a stable person, you become a stable person. A person who's not a giving person, no generosity. Suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, you find yourself being generous to people and to God's house. A loving person. Suddenly you're like, I've got this love that is generated not from me. <laughs> Anybody ever, ever had a love that you know, I didn't generate this. This is coming from God. That's what these guys have experienced. And now they've taken it and given it out to the world in Jesus' name. Um, separate what has happened outside from what you allow to happen on the inside. Separate from what has happened on the outside, everybody, of your life from what is happening on the inside. Sometimes there's things out of my control outside or even in sickness or in your body. And you have to say, Lord, help me to separate this now from what's happening inside. Because you can be in trouble and difficulty and it's painful and challenging, but on the inside, you can have a quiet place with God where you can just hear God's voice. You can find God in the quiet moment. You can hear God direct you. God will say, hey, don't do that. Yeah, do this. Slow down. And God will tell you, I'm working this for good. I'm working in this situation. I'm working through you in their life. <laughs> and other people around you are being impacted. You know, staying in a relationship with God in his house is that over decades and years actually showing that you are saying, God, you're in control. You're not calling the shots. 
And there's something powerful when we are not calling the shots. You know, the devil with Job was telling God, look, he only, he only loves you and serves you because of what you're doing for him. Christians only love you and serve you because of what they're going to get from you. You're like a bank teller God. They come to you, you just give them things. That's why they go to church. And God was saying, the uh, devil was saying that about Job to God. Look at him, even him. That's the same. And then God allowed Job to be touched by the enemy where the enemy took Job's things. The whole thing God was allowing was also to speak to us hello, all these years later to bring all of us to a place where whether I ever get limbs, whether I ever walk, whether I get over that sickness, whether I ever get married, whether I get the money, whether I get the job, whether I get this, whatever, whatever, whatever that Lord, no matter what, I'll serve you. I'll love you. The only way you are, listen to this, the only way to be sure you are serving God for himself alone, rather than ourselves, or what we're getting out of him, is that sometimes in your life, you've got to be in a condition where serving God at times gives you nothing. Nothing is coming your way. Nothing is coming back. But in that, you are showing to God, I love you for you, not for what you do for me. I love you, not because, and if you've been, God, you've been my bank teller doing everything. You've been my genie. I've been rubbing you, rubbing the Bible. Lord, you've got three weeks to get me a girlfriend. And if not, I'm not serving you. When none of that's happening, you, and then you are at a place where you go, nevertheless, none of it's working. God, I'll serve you anyway. And for everybody who thinks you got some deal going with God, I got some news for you this morning. Deal's off. The deal is off. There's no deal with God. God doesn't do deals. You think I got a deal going with God? I told him he's got until June 26th. Deal's off, people. Here's what God says. God says, I got people all over Australia. I got people all over the world who will love me and serve me whether I do another thing for them in their life again. Guys, I got people everywhere. They're going to serve me and love me whether I ever do anything for them again or not. God doesn't make deals. He blesses His children. He loves His children. He loves His children. Everybody, and I want to encourage you, if you are not well, keep believing for healing. Keep putting your faith in God. Sue and I are doing it every day for her healing. We're praying for you. We know people in our church we're praying for healing for. Keep going. Don't give up. But in the middle of it, don't pull back. Don't let the enemy pull you back. Say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you until I'm with you. <laughs> till I'm with you, I'm serving you. I'm loving. I'm in your house. I'm building your church. I'm giving. I'm putting you first. And I'm not going to make deals, God, because there's no deal to be made. I'm just going to serve you no matter what. Okay, last thought, everybody. Last thought. 
I learned this a long time ago and it's really helped me because at times things happen in your life and you're like, Lord, why? Why has that happened? Why did that happen? We just lost Dr. Masiska in Zambia, one of our key leaders, 63. Gosh, we love him. I'm like, Lord. Ah, not Dr. Masiska. There's a few others you can take. No, no. always the good ones <laughs> I'm like Lord and the Lord taught me this everybody a long time ago instead of asking why ask what's next instead of asking why and we all do everybody we all do Lord why did that happen why instead of asking why just say Lord what's next show me what to do now show me what to do to walk out of my pain and my difficulty and when you express your words to God, listen, everybody, He's a big God. He's a big God. God's got big shoulders. I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I trust you so much. And I can tell you now, the Holy Spirit said quickly back to me, you don't trust me at all. I was so shocked. And I know it's God because I would never think to say that to me because I was being very, very religious at the time. I trust you. God says, no, you don't. No, you don't. And I had to say, Lord, you're right. Help me now to learn to trust you. When it's not working, when I'm suffering, when I'm in pain, when I don't know, when I, when why? <laughs> and God says, you know what? Sometimes God's filled me in. But I got a bunch of whys that I don't think I'll ever know. Because if I know the fullness of them, I would never trust God. I'd never trust him. I'd be always controlling. Oh, okay, I thought that, so I'll make sure that doesn't, I'll make sure this, and, blah, 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 and I try and control the whole deal. So God's like, I want, to, I want you to trust me, but ask me, what now? If you've had loss, what now? If you had loss, what now? What about me? You guys all laugh. I laugh so much that my dad was just the most horrendous alcoholic, like horrendous, scary, frightening, terrifying. And then God says to me, when was that? 10 years ago or more, 12 years ago? Start a recovery center for men, alcoholics and drug addicts. I'm like, start it yourself. <laughs> Everybody who thinks well, you got to be religious, I'm like, I'm not starting no recovery center for drug addicts and alcoholics. My mother wrecked my life. And God's like, instead of asking why, Jared, ask what now? And he goes, one of your greatest days will be helping men, hello, and their partners and their wives and their children recover. And what a privilege and what an honor to serve the men coming through Tenacious House. What a privilege, what an honor. Love you guys. What a privilege, what an honor. But the enemy had me wrapped up in the pain and the suffering. And then God says, what now, Jared? Ask what now? And I go, yeah, what now? And he goes, start a recovery center. At least I'm honest. I'm like something, I'm like, start it yourself. Get rid of you to do it. Come on. <laughs> Somebody else. Lord's not know you. And now it's the greatest privilege and honor, one of them that we have at Global Heart Church is to serve the men and their partners and their wives and their children and their grandchildren. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What's next, everybody? What's next? God is near to the brokenhearted. He's with you in your pain, your suffering. He hates you suffering. 
But we need to just say, Lord, what's next? And if you need grace for the next 10 minutes, you need help, say, God, I need help. I can't get through the next 10 minutes. And God says, you know what? I got this. How's he got it? I got you. Come on, God's 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 got you. Come on, he's got you. Come on, God's got you. Down the back, he's got you. On the side, he's got you. Over here, he's got you. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.